My girl and I frequent the drive-in theater all the time in the summer. It's May, and I don't think we'll be doing it this year because of what happened last year. I'm not sure if it's different anywhere else, but at the drive-ins closest to us, there's two movies that play on a single screen back-to-back. It's also pretty cheap, so it's an awesome choice for a hot summer night. We were doing our normal thing. We went to the store to get some candy and beer and stuff before heading to the drive-ins to save some money. I'm sure you know the food at any theater is ridiculously overpriced. We made it there about 30 minutes before the first feature started, and people were still showing up and positioning their vehicles. We got the front row with nobody in front of us, which somehow I always managed to get. After 30 minutes of waiting and munching on junk food, the preview started for the first movie. Everything was completely normal up until this point, and during the previews, I heard a noise outside, and it sounded like someone had kicked a rock at my truck. Not a lot, it just sounded like one good-sized rock hit my tailgate or something. We thought nothing of it because our focus was on the screen. An hour or so went by, with no other unusual sounds, and we were enjoying the movie, when suddenly we both heard something strange. It sounded like somebody was walking right next to the truck and dragging their feet heavily. We looked around but saw nothing. As I was looking around, I spotted a girl in the passenger seat in the car next to us, looking at me. She had a concerned look on her face and motioned for me to roll down my window. I did, and she immediately said, There is somebody under your truck. This made me feel sick. I knew she wasn't messing with me, and I did not know what to say back or what to do. My girl started to quietly freak out, and I asked the girl next to us as quietly as I could, What is the person doing? She said back, I don't know. I was afraid to get out, and I remembered that eerie feeling I had when I was a kid, and I didn't want to step off my bed at night for fear of somebody underneath. Same feeling. I decided to call the drive-in's number listed online and told them what was happening. After asking the details of my truck, they said they would send somebody over to us. Well, before anyone came, we very suddenly heard more noise under us, and then a girl, wearing a dress, crawled out from under my truck right in front of us and began walking backwards towards the movie screen, all the while staring into the truck at us. When she got to the screen, she turned and walked away towards the fence that separated our lot from the one next to us. A few minutes later, an employee approached my window, and I told him that she had walked away. Something very creepy happened to me on Christmas. I had celebrated the holiday that morning with my family and went to see my parents. On Christmas night, I had to go into work to finish a proposal I was working on for a new potential client. I obviously didn't want to go into work, but it had to be finished. My work was in a building downtown that is fairly close to a few nightclubs and bars. My office is on the 23rd floor, and in my position, I have an office, 
but most of this floor is filled up with cubicles in the middle. My office is in the far corner next to my boss's office, so to get to my office, I have to walk by all the cubicles. I didn't get there late, probably around 8 or 9, but there was nobody else there. This was my second time going in alone, and it was peaceful. If I let my imagination run wild, however, I would get spooked easily. As I walked the path next to the cubicles, I was reminded of what I was missing at home. While looking at all the Christmas lights strung up, decorating people's workspaces, there were no lights on, but it was lit up enough by all these Christmas lights. I reached my office and unlocked it. I went inside, but didn't close the door. My computer and desk faced away from my door so I couldn't see anyone that approached my door on workdays through the huge glass window that I had. I found this annoying as I never knew who was knocking until I got up and opened the door. I sat down and began working as quickly as possible so I could get back home. After a while, I'd say about an hour into it, I heard the main entrance door close. I didn't hear it open but when it closed, it made a noise that was unmistakable. I wasn't spooked at this point, just curious as to who else was unlucky enough to have to come in and finish something. I got up from my desk and walked out onto the floor. I looked around, but didn't see anybody. I said loudly, Hello? Nobody responded. At this moment, I got paranoid and freaked out a little bit because I definitely heard the main entrance door close. Somebody was either here and then left, or was still in here and not responding to me. I was just about to turn around and get back to work when I saw a head sticking up out of a cubicle on the opposite side of the floor, looking towards me. I could see that it was a man, but I couldn't make out any details of his face. I thought he must be messing with me, so I shouted over to him. What a time to have to come in, huh? Hoping whoever it was would stand up and laugh. But they didn't. The man didn't move. And this really scared me. So I tried again and said, I can see you, guy. He didn't move. I wasn't sure what to do next, and was now very on edge. So I felt through my pocket for my keys, and they were there. I started walking down the path towards the entrance door, the whole time watching this guy. As I was walking, he just watched me. I looked over at the entrance door for a second, just one second, and looked back. He was gone. After seeing this, I thought, oh my gosh, he could be moving over to me. So I jogged the rest of the way to the door and went through it. I jogged over to the elevator and hit the button. I turned around quickly, and the door closed as it made the same noise as before. The door thankfully opened immediately, and I went inside and hit the first floor button. The door closed, and I did not see the guy come out that door. I drove home and told my wife what happened. I had to call my boss and tell him as well, so that I had a reason for not finishing my proposal that night. He was understanding and I went back in two days later with everyone else. I never found out who the guy was or what that was all about. Nothing was stolen or tampered with, to my knowledge.
It was Christmas time. I was 14 years old. My family and I were going ice skating one evening. My family consisted of my two younger brothers, my mom, and my stepfather. I had invited my girlfriend to come with us, and we were just waiting on her to show up at our house so that we could leave. She eventually made it over, and we all piled into an SUV and headed downtown. The ice skating rink was packed, as it was only open at Christmas time, and it was 8 o'clock on a Saturday. After driving around the rink a few times, we found a parking spot. We all started walking over to it, and as we walked, I saw that all of the lights went off in the skating rink, and for about one minute, green and red black lights were lighting the whole place up. It was pretty cool, I thought, and I was looking forward to getting my skates on. They were serving hot cocoa right next door, in a little booth. My little brothers wanted some, and so my parents jumped in line, while my girlfriend and I headed to the window where we could rent some ice skates. There was no line there, and we got our skates pretty quickly. We sat down on the bench near the window and put on our skates. My girlfriend had never been ice skating before, and she was a bit nervous. She was afraid she would fall, but I told her it's really not that difficult, and even if she did, it's not a big deal. We got to our feet with our skates now on and walked over to the skating rink. Before we stepped onto it, suddenly the lights switched to the dark green and red lights again. You could barely see when the lights switched, and people were running into each other all over the place. Some people were falling down. It was a cool idea to have the lights switch to green and red for the holiday, but whoever set the lights up made them way too dim. My girlfriend told me to wait for the lights to switch back on, and we did. A minute later, the normal lights popped back on, and we stepped onto the ice. My girlfriend skated awkwardly for a few minutes, but got the hang of it fairly quickly, and we were soon flying around the rink. After about six laps, the lights went out again, but this time, it seemed to me that it was even darker than before. My girlfriend grabbed my arm and clung to me as we tried not to run into anyone. As we skated in the near darkness now, she asked me, It's getting darker, don't you think? I agreed, and the lights popped back on again. We sighed with relief and continued skating. As we made our way around, we passed a man wearing a dark red trench coat that was about to step onto the ice. He had a dark red hood over his head, which covered most of his face. After noticing him, I looked around for my family and spotted them sitting down on the benches, drinking their hot cocoa. I looked over to my girlfriend who had broken away from my arm, and she looked nervous. I skated closer to her and asked her if she wanted to get off the ice. She said no, but that she was worried about when the lights flipped to the dark green and red again. She was worried that they would flip off completely and leave everyone in complete darkness. As if on cue, the lights switched off. And they switched off completely. My girlfriend gasped along with many other people around us. For the briefest of moments, everyone was quiet, and it was pitch black. It was an incredibly eerie feeling, being on the ice with so many people, but feeling alone. Then suddenly... I heard a woman scream. Then I heard commotion. 
the woman's screams were silenced, and then I heard a man yell in a similar way, like they had just been really hurt by something. My girlfriend and I ran into a group of people, and we all collapsed onto the ice. She started calling my name, and I could hear the fear in her voice. People were falling all around us, and then I heard another woman scream. This scream was piercing, and I knew at that moment that something was very wrong. The woman continued to scream when I heard somebody else scream bloody murder. At this point, I could hear noises of frantic people falling, moving and screaming, trying to escape the ice rink. I tried to stand up, but was hit by people in all directions, and my hands were sliding across the ice as I crawled. It felt like razor blades. I was hyperventilating, when suddenly I felt an extreme pain in the tip of my middle finger on my right hand. I realized that somebody had just skated over it. I stopped crawling and heard yet another ear-piercing scream of agony and terror. I started calling my girlfriend's name, but did not get a response. Somebody skated into me, their knee hitting my face hard. I fell flat onto the ice, and my breath was taken away when I felt random people topple on top of me. One person landing on my stomach. As they all tried to separate from each other and myself, I felt an ice skate slice my thigh. I started crawling again fast, and I could feel my finger pulsating as blood gushed from the wound. I hit a wall, and I remember feeling the tiniest relief. I called my girlfriend's name again, but once again, no response in the midst of screams and frantic mayhem. It sounded as if everyone was screaming now, and I thought that I might have a heart attack. I stuck to the side of the wall and attempted to stand up onto my skates again. I reached my feet and started coughing. I felt somebody clip my back as they skated by me. And then suddenly I felt pain. Pain in my back. Monumental pain. The worst pain I have ever felt. At first, I thought somebody had somehow cut my back with an ice skate, but I twisted my arm and reached around to my back to feel what it was. Somebody then crashed into me and I fell onto the ice once more. Tears poured from my eyes and screams erupted from all around me. I twisted my arm to reach my back again, and I felt it. Somebody had stabbed me. My breathing started to get heavy, and a full breath was difficult to achieve. The pain was growing more intense, and I felt panic set in, as it felt like the pain would not reach a stopping point, and would just increase and increase. Suddenly, I heard another scream very close. It was mine. My screams joined the rest, and I began sobbing in between screams. I started crawling once more, but I couldn't move as I did before. My muscles were becoming weaker, and I felt as if I were falling asleep. I moved slowly, and I could feel thick syrupy liquid wherever I put my hands on the ice. It was warm. I knew it was blood. My blood. And I suddenly began coughing again, with no control, and didn't stop. I put my hand over my mouth and stopped crawling. I felt blood coming out of my throat as I coughed, and it started to block my nasal passage, and I could barely breathe. 
The screams were absolutely ear-shattering at this point. I lay on my back and started to shiver. After a few minutes, I felt people fall and trip over me once again, and I flipped over onto my stomach. After this, I looked up, and I could see small beams of light all over the place. And then, I heard people speak. It was the police, I thought to myself. They were running and tripping over people, trying to get people out. Trying to help. I put my arm up and said the word. Help. But nothing came out. I couldn't say it. I dropped my arm back to the ice and I felt my eyes start to close. I cleared my throat, full of blood, and coughed it onto the ice. Everything at that moment went black. I awoke in a hospital bed. 24 people were murdered on the ice skating rink that night. My girlfriend included. A few winters ago, I got a job as a security guard. My responsibilities were to guard the construction site of a three-story industrial building that was still in development. This was a super sweet job. All I had to do was be at the construction site between hours of 7pm to 3am. I could sit in my truck the entire time, except for two different times I was instructed to patrol the site. What I would do is get out of my truck and walk the perimeter of the site and then go inside and shine my flashlight around. This obviously wasn't a hard task, but it was a bit creepy. It was pitch black around this site at night, and there were no working lights anywhere. Every time I patrolled, I was a bit creeped out. Except for one evening, where the creepiness turned into straight-up terror. The night was going by normally, I was watching YouTube videos and listening to music in my truck. The clock hit 1am, and I was due to complete my second patrol through the site. The first patrol went by completely normal, and I had no reason to expect any different this time around. So I jumped out of the truck and started down the path that led around the site. I was shining my flashlight in front of me the whole time and saw nothing out of the ordinary. This trek around the site took the most time out of the patrol, and I'd say about 15 minutes after I began, I had circled all the way around and was back at my truck. At this time, I headed inside the building. My truck was parked in the front of the building, and so I entered at the front door. This building was still being framed, and there were no doors installed anywhere, including the ones that led to the exterior and that's the reason I was here, to make sure nobody just walked inside and stole any construction equipment, or vandalized any part of it. As I walked inside, I heard something upstairs. It sounded like a shovel or something had fallen onto the floor, and so I hesitantly started up the stairs to investigate. This was the first time that anything like this happened. As I walked up the stairs, shining my flashlight in front of me, I was spooked. What would I do if there was somebody up here messing around? I didn't have a weapon or anything. I reached the top of the stairs 
and the second floor. I shined my flashlight around and didn't see anything suspicious. I walked around and eventually reached the front of the building. And that's when I looked down to my truck through the recently installed window there. There was somebody sitting in my truck. I noticed quickly that it was a man with a shaved head. He was sitting in the driver's side seat with his legs still hanging out of the truck facing me. The man had his arms crossed and he was wearing all black. I was just about to turn around and head back down to confront him when he suddenly looked up at me and waved. At that moment, I turned around and ran back to the stairs. I walked down them quickly and ran out of the building. I approached my truck and the guy was no longer there. I got very nervous at this point and looked around with my flashlight. I saw nothing and decided to call my boss and let him know that there was somebody here. As the phone was ringing, I searched my truck and saw that nothing was missing and everything was right where I left it. My boss did not answer and so I left a very short message stating, Uh... Uh, It's 1.22 a.m. and there is someone messing around at the site. Have not located them yet. I shined my light around like a madman searching for this potentially dangerous person and thought that it would be a better idea to get in my truck and drive slowly around the site. This did not take long and I did not see anyone. I circled back to the front and parked my truck in the same exact spot I was in before. I put the truck in park and called my boss again. I got no answer once again and got out of the truck. I stood next to my driver's side door and again shined my light around. I didn't see anybody. Then I shined the light up to the window I'd first noticed him at and saw him standing in the same spot I was in, now looking down at me. I realized my job was to stop people from messing around at this site, but this creeped me out so much that I got in my truck and just waited until my boss eventually called back. He called the police, I guess, because an officer showed up there about a half an hour later. He went inside the building and looked around, but never found the guy. I didn't see him again that night, or any other night I was there. I have no idea why he was there. I have a story I'd like to tell you all. This happened when I was 18, about 16 years ago. I was still living with my parents in their nice house in suburban Colorado. It was getting late one night around 11.30 p.m. I was on the phone with my girlfriend and had decided to go up to my room and switch phones, using the one that was in my room, so that I didn't wake my parents that I now assumed were in bed. Voices downstairs echoed upstairs easily, and I had gotten in trouble for that a few times before. I told my girlfriend to hang on, that I was going to put the phone down for a minute while I went upstairs to turn on my phone. I set the phone down on the counter right next to where it gets hung up on the wall. I quickly walked upstairs and into my bedroom. My room was cold. I left the window open. 
I slammed my window shut and picked up the phone next to my bed. All right, babe, one sec. I'm going to go downstairs real fast and hang up the living room phone. I set the phone down on my bed and went downstairs. I reached the last step, turned left, and stopped. The phone was now hung up on the wall. I stood there bewildered for about 30 seconds, a bit creeped out, but mostly confused. Maybe my parents came down and hung it up? No, that wasn't possible. I would have heard them, and I was only upstairs for about 30 seconds. I walked over to the phone and then turned around looking around the living room and into the kitchen. Nothing. No sign of my parents. Nobody else was in my house that night. I convinced myself that I must have hung it up before I went upstairs. Wait. No, that's not possible. Then I would have hung up on my girlfriend. I walked into the dining room and nobody was there. I walked back upstairs and over to my parents' bedroom. I pressed my ear to the door and could hear my dad snoring. What is going on? I walked into my bedroom and almost had a heart attack when I saw that my bedroom phone was now hung up. I turned around fast to the dark hallway. Nobody. I ran downstairs and to my horror, I saw the phone in the living room was now gone. I got goosebumps all over and my heart was now pounding in my chest. I ran back upstairs and into my room. I ripped open my closet, but nobody was there. I walked over to my phone and picked it up. As soon as I did this, I heard somebody say, I came in through your bedroom window. I almost dropped the phone out of fright and thought, That's impossible. My bedroom is on the second story. I turned around again expecting to see someone but did not. I turned and opened my window. I looked outside and saw a large extension ladder there, leaning on my house, just below the bottom of my window. I dropped the phone on the ground and ran to my parents' room. I slammed against their door with fists and yelled, Open the door! There's somebody in the house! My mom opened up and was confused, with a terrified look on her face. I went into their room and my dad was sitting up in bed. I locked their bedroom door and repeated myself. There is someone in here. They have the phone. They just said something to me. My mom ran to my dad's side of the bed and grabbed his work cell phone that was still in his jeans pocket. She called the police, and they were at our front door knocking around 15 minutes later. They searched the house and found no one. They did find the living room phone, though. It was lying in the middle of the grass in our backyard. When I was 24 years old, I experienced something so strange, so scary, that I just had to write about it and share it with the world. It is absolutely true and was the scariest thing that has ever happened in my life. I was traveling at the time, going to visit my best friend who had moved a few states away from me to go to college. One day, I was driving in Ohio if I remember correctly. I was on a long highway that stretched across the state, when out of nowhere, my car died. I shifted to the side of the road, where I eventually came to a stop. I didn't run out of gas. I had just filled up at the last town. 
I tried starting my car, and I was very happy when it actually started. I was confused and was worried about why it just died on me. As I started to pick up speed and get back on track, my car started making weird noises and it sounded like something was grinding on something else. I looked up and saw a sign that showed that there was a gas station and food at the next exit. My car was moving, but with this grinding noise, I decided to get off the highway and take a look at it at the gas station. There were only two places off this exit that I could see. A gas station with one pump and an old-looking diner not too far off next to it. I pulled into the gas station and it looked closed. I checked my watch and quickly realized this was very strange as it was only 2.30 p.m. What kind of gas station closes before this time, I wondered. I got out of my car and approached the glass door entrance to the station. I put my hands up and cupped the glass around my eyes to look inside. The place looked abandoned. It was obvious nobody was there, and I turned and looked around me. I felt a bit uneasy at this moment, when I saw that there were no other people or cars around me. Where am I? I checked my phone, and of course, I had no service. I looked up at the sky, and it was white. The clouds were moving fiercely, and it was extremely cold outside. I decided to get back in my car and drive over to the diner. When I reached this place, I thought for sure it was closed as well. But to my surprise, before I could even reach the door after getting out of my car, an older woman opened the door to the place and greeted me with a smile. She looked nice, and I was so relieved to see somebody else and maybe get some hot food in my stomach. She just said hello and asked if it was just me. Did I want a booth? Blah, blah, blah. I told her yes, it was only me, and a booth sounded fine. This diner looked very old-fashioned, and there was no other customers inside. The woman showed me to my seat, and I scooted into the booth. I looked up at her. She was wearing an old apron with stains all over it. Her teeth were old, yellow, and cracked. She had a pleasant voice, though, and seemed to be a very nice person. She handed me a menu and asked what I would like to drink. I told her a Coke or a Pepsi would be fine, and she smiled and said she would be right back. I sat there looking at this menu, and I noticed that there was actually dirt on it. It looked like it had been sitting outside for years. I cleaned it off, and the food on it that was available was very basic. Burger chicken sandwich, fries, salads. That was pretty much it. I decided to order a burger with some fries. A few minutes passed, and she hadn't returned with my drink yet. I was anxious to ask her if there was a mechanic around there to look at my car. A few more minutes passed, and I started thinking, what is going on back there? I yelled out, uh, hello? in as nice a voice as possible. No response. At this point, I was annoyed and got up. I walked over to the door that led into the back cooking area and swung it open, about to ask where my drink was. The back of the diner was empty. 
There were no cooks, no fryers, no grills, nothing. The woman was nowhere in sight. It was obvious to me at that moment. This diner was not a running establishment, and I felt sick to my stomach. I started to walk into the back area when I heard the scariest, most evil old lady laugh I have ever heard. I stopped and backed up out of the door into the front area. I turned and walked out the door I came in from. I ran down the three steps and over to my car and got inside. Thankfully, my car started and I floored it out of there. As I was driving away, I looked into my rearview mirror and saw the woman standing in the middle of the road. This happened two years ago on our anniversary. My wife and I were celebrating three years married, and we decided to both take the day off work and go for a drive down to the beach. It was a bit of a drive, about three hours one way. The drive was amazing. We had fantastic conversation and enjoyed all the sights on the way out there. When we arrived, there was only a few hours of daytime left, but we didn't mind. We kind of liked the idea of walking along the sand at night to gaze at the stars and listen to the sounds of the ocean peacefully without the usual noise that comes with visiting the beach. We ate dinner at a nice steakhouse right on the water, and when we finished, decided that it was time to hit the beach, finally. From the restaurant, we walked to our car, which was parked in the lot right next to the beach entrance. My wife grabbed a sweater and a blanket, while I grabbed a six-pack and a small cooler I had brought. We headed towards the sand, and went through a very old wooden fence with an opening cut out. We walked out towards the water, and marveled at the sight of it, and the moon lighting our way beautifully. We stopped and chose a nice spot, about 30 yards away from the waves crashing against the sand, and about 70 yards, I'd say, from the wooden fence leading back to our car and the small seaside town that we were in. We unfolded the blanket and sat down on top of it. After a few minutes of talking, kissing, and drinking, we laid down. We were truly amazed by all the stars in the sky, and it was a gorgeous night. I'd say about 15 minutes later, I felt a presence. I was still watching the stars, but I felt like there was somebody watching us. I sat up and noticed my wife had drifted off and fell asleep. I looked around the beach and saw nothing. Complete serenity. Then I turned completely around and this is when my heart stopped. About 15 feet away from us, a man was sitting behind us in the sand. Obviously, I was put on edge, mainly because he didn't speak when he noticed I had seen him. He sat in the sand very close to us, with a giant smile on his face. A giant, creepy smile. I was in shock to see this, and at first, was not even able to speak. I glanced at my wife, who was completely asleep. At that moment, I am not sure why, but I felt like our lives were in very real danger. I looked up and the man reacted. His smile disappeared, 
and turned into an angry look. He then pulled out a huge knife from underneath him. I shook my wife awake and said at the same time, What are you doing? Are you serious? In a scared but firm voice. My wife woke up and focused, spun around to look at the man. At that moment, he smiled again. His giant smile makes me shiver thinking about it. And my wife gasped when she saw he had a knife and didn't say a word. He did not respond to me and instead stood up. He clutched a very big, what looked like kitchen knife and took a single step towards us. My wife gasped again. I forced myself to do something. I stood up as well and said, What do you want? You can have our phones, our keys. I don't have any cash though, man. The man looked like he didn't care, which was terrifying. He wore a brown suit, kind of wrinkled. It looked like he came out of a trash can. His long brown hair was a mess and he looked homeless. Once again, he didn't reply to me. After about 15 seconds of unnerving silence, he did something. He ran up to us very quickly and my wife screamed. He stopped before he stepped foot on our blanket and once again his smile turned into a crazy and angry looking frown. I spoke one last time. Dude, you can have everything, just be cool. You can have a beer. My voice was cracking. I was petrified. I tried to humanize this guy and make him feel almost welcome to our stuff, like his knife wasn't a big deal. He then spoke to us. He said in a normal, sane voice, I don't drink. Then he turned around and started walking away from us. Relief hit me like a ton of bricks. I kneeled down and grasped my wife's shoulder. He continued walking away and then turned around again. He didn't look at us, but instead looked up at the sky. He then turned around once more and made his way through the fence and disappeared into town. My wife started tearing up, and I said, Let's go. We very quickly grabbed our belongings and started walking down the beach quickly, towards a different entrance leading to a parking lot next to the one our car was in. After circling around the huge parking lot, walking around the restaurant we ate at, we saw people laughing and talking outside. They had no idea what we just experienced. We approached our car. We got inside and drove away. We were pretty much silent on the way back home. My wife just hung her head out the window. We haven't gone back to the beach since then. I recently moved into a big house, just temporarily. It's kind of a complicated situation. The house belongs to a family member. They were going to be gone for a few months, that sort of thing. I was going to be there on my own, so obviously I thought, what if this place is haunted? There wasn't anything in the house when I moved in, but there is now. I was in the main hallway unpacking some stuff when the doorbell rang. That put me on edge right away. 
because the house is at the end of a long driveway and kind of out of the way. You have to go looking for it. There was an old woman at the door, or sort of old. It was kind of hard to tell. This was in broad daylight, but there was still something kind of off about her. She was really tall, like a full head taller than me, and there was something weird about the way she looked. It was like none of her clothes fit her properly. She shook my hand and smiled, really wide, and told me that she was from the neighborhood council or something, and asked if she could come in and talk to me. My gut reaction was to say no, but I couldn't really think of a reason to. She was just an old woman. What was she going to do? I really wish I had just slammed the door in her face. I brought her into the living room, and she sort of tottered behind me, like her feet didn't fit into her shoes properly. She sat down without asking, and grinned at me until I took a seat across from her. For about half a minute, she didn't say anything, just smiled and stared at me while it got increasingly awkward. Just as I was about to break the silence, she fished into her pocket and pulled out this really big old-fashioned candy, the type that comes in see-through wrapping. Here, she said, eat this. I should probably point out here that she spoke really quietly, so it was difficult to hear anything she said. I accepted the candy, kind of taken aback, and unwrapped it. It was dark red, almost black. I popped it into my mouth, because she was still grinning at me and nodding her head. Have you ever walked around behind a supermarket where they keep those big bins? They throw meat that's gone bad in those bins. Imagine that rancid smell, but on a hot summer day. It's so thick, you can almost feel it in the air. That is what this candy tasted like. I almost spit it out onto the floor, but social niceties made me chew the thing and force it down my throat. The woman was talking the whole time, but between the taste and her quiet voice, I barely heard her. My mouth tasted like rotten meat, so I politely told her I was going to get some water and walked fast into the kitchen. When I came back, she was gone. I had been in the kitchen for less than 30 seconds. My first reaction probably should have been to assume that she went to the bathroom or had to leave in a hurry. Instead, I searched the entire house. I went through every single room, convinced I was going to open a closet or look under a bed and see her stuffed in there grinning at me. That didn't happen, obviously, but I was still extremely on edge as the sun started to go down. I felt like I was turning off the light in my bedroom after spotting a giant spider in there. That night, I propped a chair against my bedroom door because I just couldn't shake the feeling that the woman was still in the house somewhere, hiding. I woke up at around 2.30 in the morning and heard creaking floorboards downstairs. It was an old house and unfamiliar, 
I kept telling myself that until the noises stopped. When I woke up the next morning, there was a red candy on the living room table. I'll tell you the same thing I told the police. No, I couldn't be absolutely certain that the candy wasn't there the day before. Maybe I had just overlooked it, but I didn't think so. They told me that the organization the woman claimed to come from did not actually exist and clearly thought I was wasting their time. After they left, I searched the entire house again and the grounds. Then, I searched them again. By the time I was finished, I had managed to calm down a bit and looked at the situation rationally. The woman probably left the candy there the previous day, and I just didn't notice. I had searched the whole house twice now. There was nowhere she could possibly be hiding. She was probably just some doddery old lady who wandered off while I was in the kitchen. As I prepared to go to bed, I had managed to fully delude myself into thinking nothing strange was going on. I decided not to do anything childish like blocking my door. Because what was I afraid of? Even if she somehow was still inside the house somewhere, what was she going to do? At some point in the middle of the night, I woke up abruptly, knowing in the back of my mind that something was wrong. I guess I must have heard something in my sleep. I turned over onto my side and reached out to turn on the bedside lamp, groping around because I was in an unfamiliar room. When the light came on, I saw the old woman standing right next to my bed. I only got the briefest glimpse of her before she vanished into the unlit hallway outside my door. I now believe that the human brain has a special compartment for dealing with experiences far outside the realm of the natural. If I had woken up to find a burglar in my room, I probably would have gone numb with panic. If there was a lion at the foot of my bed, I would have been too paralyzed with fear to do anything. But as soon as the woman, the woman, was gone, that special compartment took over. I jumped out of bed and slammed the door shut, and then shoved a chair up against the handle. Then I dashed for my phone. No signal. No internet. I later found out there was nothing wrong with the phone or the local service. I think she was interfering with it somehow. The drop from the bedroom window wasn't too high. If I landed just right, I would probably avoid injury. But what if I sprained my ankle or broke my leg? I had a sudden vision of pulling myself across the dark garden while the woman sprinted after me and decided I didn't want to risk it. That gave me two options. Wait out the night in my bedroom or try to get out of the house now. I went for the second option. I had a thought that my flimsy barricade would not hold if the woman decided she wanted back in. I broke one of the chair legs off and crept slowly into the hallway, reaching carefully for the light switch. When I pressed it, the lights came on for a second and then faded out. I flicked the switch a few more times. Nothing. Some gut instinct told me she was sabotaging them somehow. 
I used my phone for light as I slowly, quietly crept along the upstairs hallway and down the stairs. The light barely traced the shapes of the walls and the dark, yawning frames of open doorways. I jumped at every single shadow and unidentifiable shape, certain that any second that grinning face would appear out of the shadows. I got downstairs into the front door. I had double-locked it and put the chain in place. Just as I was reaching for the first lock, I heard rapid, uneven footsteps at the top of the stairs, approaching swiftly. I undid the first lock. A high-pitched shriek came from the hallway down the stairs, and I screamed as I undid the second lock and wrenched the door open. It stuck fast. I had forgotten the chain. I glanced behind me and saw the tall, spindly shape of the woman half running, half falling down the stairs toward me, her head lolling backward and her mouth hanging open. I can't even remember getting the chain off. I might actually have just yanked the door open so hard that it broke. In any case, the last I saw of the woman was her face, inches away from me, as I slammed the door shut. I sprinted to the nearest house, and they called the police, possibly because I was half delirious with fear and babbling incoherently. The police once again failed to find anything unusual. It's been a week. I'm staying at a friend's place, sleeping with the lights on and the bedroom door barricaded. The house's real owners aren't back yet. I'm not sure what I'm going to tell them, but I have to stop them from going back there. Somehow. This isn't a haunting. It's an infestation. I can't stop thinking about all the holes in our defenses. The windows and doors left open. The strangers invited into our living rooms. I just hope it's the house that she wanted. And not me. This happened when I was in college, four years ago. I went to a university that was very close to the ocean on the East Coast. I made friends with some people one weekend, and one guy in the group of people I met invited us to go out on his boat with him sometime. He described his boat to a bunch of people, and was very proud to have it. It sounded like an expensive sailboat by the way he described it. I'm not really familiar with boats and hadn't ever been on one other than a cruise ship when I was 11. This guy said his parents bought it for him, and that made sense because he was known to be a spoiled rich kid. He was nice though, and the idea of cruising around some Saturday afternoon and drink some beers sounded appealing. After that conversation, I saw him around in school, but didn't talk to him much until one day he approached me in the library and asked if I still wanted to go sailing. I said sure, that sounded awesome, and he told me the following day he was going out on the water, and it would be a perfect opportunity. After a lengthy conversation about how sailing works, and him assuring me it was safe, and he had all the proper training, I told him I would meet him at the docks the next morning. That night, my roommate asked me what I was doing for the weekend, and I told him that I had made plans to go out sailing. 
He freaked out on me and told me he really wished he could go. My roommate and I were really good friends, and honestly, it sounded like way more fun if he was to join us. So I invited him to go, and that I was sure that the other guy would be cool with it. The next morning, my roommate and I grabbed some coffee and grabbed some beer to bring along with us on our voyage. We ate some breakfast and then headed over to the docks to meet the guy. We were pretty excited, and when we got there, we followed the direction he gave me and found his boat. It was a huge orange and white sailboat. We stood on the dock next to the boat looking at it when the guy popped his head up from somewhere and immediately showed a look of concern on his face. He jumped off the side of the boat and onto the dock next to us. He looked at my roommate and then at me and asked, Who is this? I told him he was my roommate, that he was cool, and that he had asked if he could come along. I told him I didn't think he would mind. The guy looked very annoyed, and it was very awkward for a few moments. The guy kept looking back and forth at the boat and then at us. He took his hat off and rubbed his head like he was really stressed out. Eventually he sighed and said that it was fine. I'll fast forward now to the part of this story that is very, very scary. A few hours later we were on the boat, drinking and having fun. The water was pretty smooth sailing, and the sun was shining bright on us. The guy acted a bit off the whole time, and I figured it was because I brought my roommate. After drinking three or four more beers, I felt the courage to ask the guy what was wrong, and if he was still upset that I brought my roommate. He responded with something along the lines of, It just kind of ruined my plans. My roommate chimed in with a smile on his face and asked the guy, What plans? I could tell my roommate thought it was funny because it sounded like the guy wanted to be alone with me. The guy looked at him and said, Well, because you're here, I can't kill him. This took me off guard completely, and I felt fear and unbelievable relief hit me at the same time. My roommate and this guy started cracking up, and my roommate brushed it off as a joke completely. I didn't know what to think. Was this guy serious? Did I avoid being killed by him? Is his sense of humor just that weird? I believe I got my answer when I went below the deck an hour later to grab another beer from the fridge. Next to his fridge was a brown swinging door that led to a small private bedroom quarters. I was feeling the beer pretty good by this point, and without thinking, I pushed the door open. Lying at the foot of the bed that was in there, was a big cinder block, some yellow rope, tape, and what looked like a recorder of some sort. After seeing that, I felt sick to my stomach and wanted off the boat as soon as possible. I wanted to go back up and confront the guy, but decided against it because of what he might have been capable of. What seemed like hours and hours more being with this guy, we finally made it back to the dock. We said our goodbyes, and on the way back to my room, I told my roommate about what I saw. He couldn't believe it. I am pretty sure that my roommate saved my life that day by wanting to go with me. Not joking, I never saw that guy again on campus. What he had planned, I don't want to know, or even think about it.
I was ten years old and being wheeled into the hospital late at night. I remember seeing Christmas lights decorating the front of the hospital. Once I was inside, I remember the doctor telling my parents that I had pneumonia and my mom started to cry. Those are the only things I remember about my visit, up until I was left alone on the first night. I have no idea what time it was when this occurred, but probably very late at night. Everyone else in the rooms around me were sleeping, and so was I, until I heard something. I was facing the center of the room when I opened my eyes. I heard someone's shoes squeaking on the floor outside my hospital room. I turned over and saw a nurse walk by, but she had walked out of my vision past my window before I could see her face. About two seconds passed, and then I saw her walk by again. This is when my heart stopped beating because of what exactly I saw. She was walking by at a very fast pace and was looking directly at me through the window in an exaggerated stare, meaning she was walking by but had her head turned completely to the right side as she did, not able to see in front of her as she walked, just staring at me. Very quickly, she was out of sight again. Then suddenly, she started walking by again in the opposite direction. She was walking back and forth in front of my window. This time, her head turned completely to the left, again staring into my eyes. She had brown hair that was messed up, and she looked insane. On this pass, I noticed that her eyes were opened very wide. At this point, I thought my heart would explode because of how it was beating and how scared I was. Nobody else was in sight. When she walked out of my vision, a second later, she was walking by again. Every time, her head turned to the side looking at me. I remember thinking, even at ten years old, that something about her was very wrong. I didn't move a muscle and could do nothing except just watch this incredibly scary woman walk back and forth in front of my window. One of the times she walked by, she was smiling a huge, sickening smile that made tears well up in my eyes. Every time she walked by, she could not see what was in front of her, because the only thing she wanted to see was me, in my bed, through my window. It seemed like several minutes had passed until finally she did not walk by again. She simply walked by one last time and then was gone. I sat there in my bed and peered out my window expecting her to walk by again at any moment. But she didn't. I must have stared up my window for the better part of an hour before my eyes got so heavy that I fell asleep. The next morning I awoke with my dad sitting in a chair next to my bed, reading a book. He smiled when he saw that I was awake, and I told him what I saw before I fell asleep. He didn't seem to be scared by this, or even very alarmed. He asked me if I was sure it wasn't a dream. I was 100% sure then, and I am 100% sure now. The woman was real. It happened, and she was wearing the same thing as every other nurse I saw. I was in the hospital for two weeks and did not see her again.
So this happened to my family in early 2002 when my daughter was a baby. My wife and I moved into a new house right after our daughter was born. It was a nice place in the suburbs. I would rather not mention in what city. The house was relatively new and surrounded by other houses with the same exact design and layout. We were still getting used to our new life there with our new baby when one night we heard the baby crying on the baby monitor. We were watching a movie in the living room, paused it, and went into the baby's room. The baby wanted her bottle. I stood in the doorway of the room while my wife tended to our newborn. I was smiling at the sight of this, when suddenly my wife made a small sound of fear and surprise. She was looking out the window directly beside the crib. I walked over to her, and she didn't say anything. I looked outside and saw a woman that looked to be about our age standing on our lawn and looking into the bedroom window. I went into protective mode and immediately walked out of the room and towards the front door with the intention of confronting her. My wife shouted before I could open the door. She ran away! I ripped the door open and walked outside. I looked around the front of our house and walked a bit further onto the street, looking in both directions. No sign of her. I decided to walk around the whole exterior of my house to make sure this creepy lady had really left. I walked the perimeter of our house and didn't find her anywhere. I returned to my house to find my wife still holding the baby in our master bedroom, and I told my wife that I did not find her. After a little while of being creeped out and looking out the windows to make sure she wasn't still lingering around, we decided she was gone for good and went to sleep. The next day, we saw the woman again, this time at night. And this time, my wife was in the shower and I was holding our baby in her bedroom. I saw the woman standing in the same spot on our lawn, peering into the bedroom at me holding my baby. I just looked at her for the longest time, and she didn't move. My wife eventually walked into the room with a towel in her hair and approached me from behind, giving me a hug. I said, She's back. Look. She's just standing there. My wife got incredibly creeped out at this point and insisted that we call the police. I was going to, but felt I wanted to confront her again, so I walked out of the room and opened up the front door, which was only about 10 feet away from the baby's room. I walked outside, and the woman was still there. She turned to me. I walked onto our lawn about 20 feet away from her and said, What are you doing? If you don't leave right now, I'm calling the cops. If I ever see you around here again, I will call them immediately. The woman smiled at me, and then opened her mouth wide, and let out a nightmare-inducing scream that sounded as if she was in pain. I knew right away that this woman was ill, like in the head. She turned around and ran away. This was terrifying, as I realized she was barefoot. She ran away like a little kid would, arms flailing. I went inside and my wife was already holding the phone. A couple police officers came by the house a short while later, and they said there was really nothing they could do except drive around the neighborhood a few times and keep an eye out for her. 
They said they would call us if they did see her. About 20 minutes after they left, they called and said they didn't see anyone fitting her description. We were disappointed, but eventually fell asleep. After taking turns looking out the windows for hours, I had assumed the woman got the hint. A month had passed with no sign of her. Then one night, my wife and I were in bed. When I heard a noise, I awoke and glanced at the alarm clock. It read 3.32 a.m. I listened for the noise to continue and heard giggling coming from the baby monitor. I sat up in bed and my heart stopped. I flew out of the room and into my baby's room to see nothing. My baby was asleep and my wife had followed me. I was very confused for a moment and thought I didn't actually hear anything. Maybe it was just a nightmare. My wife asked what was wrong. I didn't respond for a few seconds and then finally said, Nothing. I thought I heard something. We both sighed and walked back into our room. My wife went into the room first and upon entering, screamed and then threw herself backwards into me. I gasped and almost fell backwards onto the floor. My wife started repeating, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. My heart pounding, I replied, What? What? I forced my way past her and walked into my bedroom. The woman was sitting Indian style on our bed. I backed up out of the room and slammed the door. My wife ran and took our baby from her crib, and the three of us went outside. As I was closing the front door once we had walked out, I heard our master bedroom door open. Neither of us had our cell phones on us, so we ran to our neighbor's house and started frantically knocking on their front door. They answered very quickly and asked what the matter was. We explained, and they ushered us inside and called the police. The cops showed up shortly after, and they went inside our house. The woman was still there. They said they found her upstairs sitting in the middle of the hallway in the dark. Last year around this time, I was at a Christmas party at my friend John's house. I didn't really know anyone there and didn't do much talking. Everyone at the party seemed very nice. About an hour after I arrived, we started playing a game called the White Elephant. It's where you trade gifts among everyone, and everyone has an opportunity to steal a gift from someone else if they like it more than what they have. I had never played it before, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. In the middle of the game, a woman opened an envelope and read a note that was inside. Her face turned red, and she became noticeably very uncomfortable and started looking around and was repeating, This isn't funny. Everyone wanted to know what the note said. She started to read it out loud and then stopped. She couldn't do it. She handed the note to a man and he read it. His face turned red as well and he seemed uncomfortable too. Now everyone was demanding to know what it said. He gulped and then read the words, I have killed six people. 
This is not a joke. The room became quiet and deadly serious. There were gasps, and a couple people said things like, Oh, very funny. It was clear that the joyous mood was shattered. Some people started yelling and demanding to know who wrote it. I eventually asked to see it, and when it was handed to me, I saw that it was typed. People began to argue, and I quickly grabbed my coat from the couch in the other room and told John I was going to take off. He nodded and was trying to calm people down. I walked out the door into the fresh falling snow. I haven't spoken with John too much since then, but I did ask him once if he found out who wrote the note, and he said no, that the party broke up shortly after I left. I often wonder if it was really not a joke, and somebody had confessed in a very twisted way to murdering six people. I'm 28 years old, and this is the first time I have thought about this incident in detail because of how traumatizing it was. I met my ex-girlfriend in California in 2010. We had both lived there our whole lives, but decided to move to Maine a couple years after we started dating. She had flown to Maine on a business trip in 2012 and fell in love with everything about it. The small towns, the scenery and the people. She came home and convinced me to pack up our lives and move there. So we did. We saved up a bunch of money and rented a huge moving truck. The plan was for me to drive the truck across the country while she stayed behind three days to finish her classes at the local community college, which were due to end at that time. I would have just waited until her classes were finished but we decided to take advantage of an incredibly good deal we were offered from the company who provided the moving truck. She had a car that she had to drive there anyways, while I towed my car behind the moving truck. My brother came with me on the trip. The drive was obviously a very long one, and when my brother and I arrived in Maine, about four days after we had left, we were exhausted. After unloading the truck and sleeping for about 16 hours we decided to visit the small town of Belfast, which was about 14 miles away from my new house. We ate some seafood at a little family-owned joint, rented a scary movie, and made the drive back. My new house was literally in the middle of nowhere. During the day, the view of the lake in my backyard was stunning. The woods around my house were awesome, and everything was beautiful. At night... The house was incredibly creepy to be in. The whole house had windows completely surrounding it. You could not see anything in those woods looking out those windows at night. But I'm sure if you were standing outside, you could quite easily see in. My brother had a flight booked back to California the following day, and we woke up very early in the morning to drive to Portland, where the airport was. I eventually made it back alone and wasn't able to make any phone calls or watch any cable TV because we had no service out there and no cable or internet hooked up yet. My cell phone did not work anywhere on that property. 
I had plenty of DVDs to watch, and that was it. When I made it back, I decided to try out my new fishing pole we had bought in town. I wasn't out at the lake very long, as it started to get dark in Maine very early in autumn. I went back to the house and sat in the living room in a chair, looking out the windows at the scenery. My view was getting darker and darker. I turned on all the lights in the house and quickly became creeped out when it became pitch black outside. Imagine being in the middle of the forest in the middle of nowhere at night and looking around. You could not see your own hand if you held it in front of your face. When I say it was pitch black, I mean you can't see anything. I hadn't hung up any curtains or blinds yet, and I had the extremely uneasy feeling that somebody was outside my house, watching me inside, watching me go from room to room, and if they were out there, they could easily do just that. I decided to hang sheets up all over the windows using thumbtacks, I sat on the couch in the living room and put on a comedy movie to try and shake the unnerving feeling I had. It didn't work. I eventually realized I had to try and get some sleep, and my eyelids were becoming sore. I was getting very tired. I covered myself with blankets on the couch and turned on the TV. After a few minutes, my eyes had adjusted, and I could see around the living room very slightly, My eyelids were very heavy now, and I fell asleep. I woke up some time later and it was still night, still very dark. I reached for my bottle of coke I had on the ground in front of me and took a big gulp. I set it back down and looked around the room. I am having difficulty putting these next emotions into words that I can accurately convey to you. My heart began throbbing when I noticed a man standing in the corner of the room. I did nothing and said nothing, not by choice, but because I couldn't. I was frozen. He didn't move, and I was able to think logically for one moment. I'm not sure he knew that I had seen him or was looking at him because it was so dark. I had a blanket over me, which might have shrouded my face in shadow, in which he wouldn't be able to see my eyes. After about a minute of gut-wrenching fear, I somehow decided to do something. This was the hardest thing I have ever had to do in my life. I coughed, but it wasn't a real cough. I did it while standing up, in an effort to give him the impression that I did not know he was there. I slowly made it to my feet and walked across the icy cold wood flooring to the bathroom around the corner of the living room. He did not move. I made it to the bathroom and nothing happened. I closed the bathroom door and slowly turned the lock to the upright position. Tears were streaming down my face as I backed up into the bathtub behind me. I was staring at the door. I suddenly realized there was a small window up above the bathtub that I could most likely fit through. I moved by the shower curtain and reached up to the window. Every movement was slow and calculated, 
in an effort to not make any noise. I unlocked the window and tried sliding it to the left to open it. The window began to squeak when I pulled it, and I froze, hoping the man didn't hear me. Just then, I heard a tapping on the bathroom door. Not a knock, but a tap, and it did not sound like the tapping of fingers. It sounded like metal, like he was tapping a weapon of some kind against the door. At this point, I made the realization that the man either knew what I was doing or simply wanted me to know that he was outside the door. Adrenaline took over completely, and I slid the window open and pushed the screen out onto the ground. I tried not to exert any noise as I jumped up and began squeezing my body through the window. My head and upper body were out, and I could not see inside the bathroom anymore. Only the dense, dark woods in front of me. I was pulling my legs through the window when I felt the man grab my foot. Directly after that, before I could react at all, I felt my ankle be sliced open. I let out a noise of shock and surprise as I pulled out of his grasp and fell to the ground. I started heaving and felt as if my heart would explode by this point. I stood up and looked around. I quickly dashed out into the woods and fell to the ground, looking back at the house and the window to the bathroom. I felt down my leg to my ankle, which was throbbing from pain, and brought my hand up to reveal it was covered in blood. The deathly serious situation I was in became real and horrifying. I looked back at the house and suddenly saw the back door fly open and the man started gazing around the darkness surrounding me. He was searching for me. I became a statue on the ground and tried to control my breathing. He had a huge what looked like knife in his hand, was covered in all black. He walked down the back patio steps and started walking into the woods, but not near where I was laying. He was grunting, and soon after, I lost sight of him. I couldn't hear anything anymore. I started frantically looking around, thinking that at any moment he would spot me and plunge the knife into me again. I saw nothing but trees and darkness. There was a bit of snow on the ground from a couple days before, and I was freezing and shaking uncontrollably at this point. About ten minutes later, I saw the man walk out of the trees from where he started and go back into the house. I laid there the rest of the night, and luckily the sun started to rise only about an hour later. After the sun fully illuminated my surroundings, I felt as though the man had probably left, and I felt ready to move. I made it to my feet and walked around the house to the front. I saw that the front door was opened completely. I slowly approached it and looked inside. Nothing. I walked in a few steps and grabbed my car keys that were hanging on a hook by the door. I ran back to my car and unlocked it. I got inside and started the engine. I backed out of the long driveway and drove to the little general store a few miles from my house. This is where the story ends. I got away. And so did my visitor. My ankle was pretty badly cut, 
but healed after a few months with no problems. I suffered minor pneumonia from being outside for the time I had, but nothing too serious became of it. I later found out that an elderly man that lived about two miles down the road from me was killed in his bedroom in the middle of the night. This experience took its toll on mine and my girlfriend's relationship, and I ended up moving back to California after a few months. This incident has made sleep very difficult to achieve, but writing this has, oddly enough, made me somewhat drowsy. I think maybe I'll attempt to go to sleep right now. Thank you for listening. I have a very scary story to tell you. I was out of work and was desperate for cash when I looked on Craigslist under gigs a few years back. I responded to several ads, ranging from painting to helping people move to cleaning. On a Sunday morning, somebody called me and told me they had some work. They said the job was to clean a kitchen inside a small building that was recently closed down and he was renovating it. He needed me to show up and work in the evening, starting at 7 and ending at like 1 or 2 in the morning, and that was only for tonight, but that he would pay me $200 in cash. That sounded great to me. I had no problem with these hours, as my last job was a graveyard shift anyways. So the man I was talking to gave me the address, and I told him I would be there on time at 7 o'clock. He sounded like a normal, nice guy. I showed up a little before seven and approached the building. This building was amongst many others downtown, but looked eerily lonely in the way that it had no windows and no lights were working outside in front of it. I thought that it might have been a bar that was closed down or something. I knocked on the big wooden door. I heard noise coming from inside, and eventually a man opened up. He was tall, had a goatee, and looked to be in his fifties. He greeted me with a smile and asked me to come inside. There was a single lamp lighting the room we were in, and it indeed looked like an old bar. The room wrapped around another smaller room in the center of it. It looked as if he was painting the walls and working to fix the top of the bar, which was rotting old wood. He showed me to the center room, which was a kitchen, The kitchen was very dirty. A couple of old glasses were lying around. The oven was pulled from the wall, showing rotting drywall behind it. Sawdust and dirt was covering everything. He told me I was to clean this kitchen and to get as much done as possible before two in the morning. I told him I would work my butt off, and he pointed out some cleaning products sitting on the ground by the wall with some rags to scrub with. I asked him if he had any gloves. He said no, but that the sink in the corner still worked and I could clean my hands when I wanted with that. That sucked, and I was a bit hesitant to clean some of the stuff in here without gloves, but I remembered that $200 that he promised, and I moved past my disappointment. He told me while I was cleaning that he was going to be working outside at the bar. I asked where I should begin, and he said scrubbing the baseboards around the room. I told him okay, and he walked out of the room. 
Fast forward. I had been cleaning for about two hours, making a bit of progress, and I was getting very thirsty. I told myself I would finish this, then that, before exiting the room to ask if there was anything I could drink. I kicked myself for not thinking to bring a water bottle or something. After finishing my goal, I stood up and realized I had not heard him working outside the room at all. I hadn't heard anything as a matter of fact. I walked to the door and opened it to darkness, complete pitch black. At that instant, I became very confused and nervous and shouted out, Hey, man, I'm making some good progress in here, expecting to hear him respond. He didn't. I looked around but seriously could not see anything. I looked back into the kitchen, which was bright and lit up with all the lights on. I peered back out into the dark room. I began taking steps out into the room surrounding the kitchen. After about ten steps, I stopped and was about to speak out again when to my horror, the door slammed shut, and I was engulfed in blinding darkness. I could not see anything, and spun around, waving my arms around the room, walking back towards the kitchen door. My steps were small, as I was afraid I would run into something. And I did. Waving my hands around in front of me, I hit something. Not a door. I hit someone's face, I made a noise and scuttled backwards, not hearing anything. Whoever I had just touched did not react. I backed up completely until I hit a wall and realized I must have been close to the entrance door to the building. I turned and felt around for a doorknob. Luck was on my side as I quickly found it and pulled the door open. It was dark outside at this point and only a very small amount of moonlight came into the room just enough to where I could see the man standing against the kitchen door with a blank expression on his face. I ran out the door and never looked back. That's the last time I used Craigslist to find work. What was that guy doing? What was he going to do? Makes me sick to think about it. This story happened to my best friend and I when we were 16 years old, on Halloween night. It happened at my parents' house, which they still live in. Their house is in a very nice neighborhood, and it has a driveway that stretches very long, about a quarter mile down the street. My parents had bought several huge bags of candy for the kids who came by trick-or-treating. There were a lot of other houses on their street, and they knew of a lot of kids who would be coming by. The night was passing. We were playing video games, watching movies, and realized at about 9.30 that not a single trick-or-treater had come by. We thought that was strange and went out on the front porch to see if we could spot any. The street was far off, and I couldn't see anybody. We decided to walk up the driveway and look down the street to see if there were any kids on their way. We began walking and kicking rocks. About halfway up the driveway, we spotted something. There was somebody sitting in the driveway, at the start of it, 
right next to the street. He was sitting in a wooden chair. We stopped in our tracks. We were pretty sure they were facing the street. The person appeared to be a man with long brown hair slicked back that fell over his shoulders. We were tripping out over this because why would somebody be sitting in a chair in our driveway? At first, we planned on going back to the house as this was extremely creepy. But curiosity grew too much and we decided to approach the man. We started slowly walking again and walked even slower the closer we got. We eventually reached the man sitting in a chair. My buddy and I looked at each other as if to figure out who was going to say something. I turned back to the man and said, Uh, hello? The man turned his head to the left very fast and yelled, If you come any closer, I'll kill you. He then got up and started moving towards us, but we had bolted as soon as he yelled those words. Rocks were being kicked up as we sprinted back to my front porch and reached the front door. I looked down the driveway before we slammed the front door, and for the briefest of seconds, I saw the man was now standing up, halfway down the driveway, headed towards us. We locked the deadbolt and chain. I ran over to the kitchen phone and dialed my father. It took my parents about an hour to get home from the party they were at, and my buddy and I were terrified the whole time. We locked every window and were hiding in my dad's office until they arrived. To our surprise, they came into the house with a police officer. Apparently, the man sitting in the chair was a disgruntled employee that my father had just let go earlier that day, and he was waiting for my father to come home. What was he planning on doing? Who knows? No wonder we didn't see any trick-or-treaters on Halloween. They were scared off by this guy sitting in a chair. I am in my 30s, and I am about to tell you of the scariest night of my life. I had just gotten home from work at around 6 p.m. My wife and daughter had decided to visit my wife's parents that evening, and left my young son and myself alone. It was a long, tough day at work, and I found myself drifting off while reading on my bed. Meanwhile, my son was watching TV in his room. His door was shut. I drifted off into full-on slumber when something awoke me. Not a sound or anything. Just a sickening feeling of dread. I got up out of bed and saw my dog was lying on the ground next to me, as she was when I laid down a little over two hours ago. It was around 8.30 at this time now, and I realized my wife and daughter were still gone. I walked into the living room and saw that my house was completely dark. I walked to my son's bedroom and opened the door. Extreme uneasiness came over me as I opened his door to darkness. He was nowhere to be found. I immediately did an about face and stomped down the hall, yelling his name. No response. I stood in the pitch black kitchen for a moment, trying to comprehend what was happening and where my son could be. 
I pulled my cell phone out of my pocket and dialed my wife. Hello? Baby, is John with you? Did you guys come home? I felt my heart sink into my stomach when she said a firm and confused. No. She then asked, What do you mean? Where is he? I stood in the darkness and felt like I was going to explode with pure fear. He's not in the house. I'm going to call Brandon's house. He's probably... My wife cut me off in a bold tone. What do you mean he's not there? I told her I would call her right back. I called Brandon's house phone, and his mother answered after a few rings. Hi, Teresa. Is John over there? She sounded confused and replied, Yes? You didn't know he came over? The amount of relief I felt, I cannot tell you. I told Brandon's mother to send John home immediately, that he was in big trouble. They only lived six houses down from us on the same street, but my son was only nine years old. I should have called the police that night, and I will tell you why. My wife got home pretty quick with my daughter. John walked in the door like nothing was wrong. What do you think you're doing leaving the house without my permission? He looked at me like I was insane. Dad, you said I could go. I asked you. I glared at him with an equally puzzled look on my face. When? No, I did not. When you were outside my bedroom door playing. My look of confusion turned into terror. What are you talking about? I fell asleep on my bed. I was never playing outside your door. My son responded. You knocked and I said come in and you giggled. You were playing. I asked if I could go to Brandon's and you said yes. At this point I was a mixture of extreme confusion and fear. John, I've been asleep. I never said you could go there. I was never outside your door playing. My son looked at me very confused. Fast forward a bit now. I had chalked this up to a misunderstanding. My son was either lying to me or was hearing things. Or I had done these things and had no memory of it. Because of how tired I was, perhaps? I really didn't know. That night, we were all laying in bed. And I was laying there in the darkness. My wife asleep next to me. We had a back door connected to our master bedroom. The back door had a huge glass window on it, almost the full length of the door, and I could see the entire backyard. It was a normal thing for me to look out there periodically throughout the night, because it was right in my line of sight when I would lay on my right side. While laying there, trying to make sense of the earlier incident, I felt the blood in my veins turn from a warm flow to an icy cold current. There was a man crouched down in my backyard underneath my trampoline, seemingly looking into my house. I lay there frozen with fear, probably for about two or three minutes. The man did not move an inch. He had no idea that I could see him. Suddenly, the man forced me to react. He moved very quickly out from under the trampoline and toward my daughter's bedroom window, which was just out of my view. Just as quickly as that happened, I heard my daughter scream. No exaggeration, 
I was out of that bed and in her room in like five seconds. In the midst of her scream, my son opened his door as I flew by, my wife right behind me. I switched on my daughter's light to see her sitting up in bed, screaming, glaring at her bedroom window, glaring at the maniac with his palms pressed against her glass, laughing hysterically. I gasped, grabbed my daughter, and all of us ran into the kitchen, where I grabbed the house phone off the wall and dropped it due to the speed I had tried to do so. I picked it up off the ground and very shakily dialed 911. The man's laugh had ceased, and none of us moved. My wife and I clutched kitchen knives as the four of us crouched in the dark and waited for the police to arrive. To my surprise, they showed up very quickly and knocked on the front door. I let them in and told them what happened. They walked through the whole house and into the backyard and found nothing. He was gone. After talking with the cops for a while and puzzling all the pieces together, I concluded that the man had been in my house earlier that evening while I slept and played a little game with my son. To this day, I have no idea why this happened, who he was, or where he went. But we never saw him again. He was never located, and he was never caught. I bought a weapon very shortly after this incident. I pray I never see this man around my family again, or I will use it. This horrifying encounter happened on Halloween in 2005. I was taking my daughter trick-or-treating around our neighborhood at around 8.30 when most of the other trick-or-treaters were out. We were going from house to house, filling up her pillowcase, when we decided to make a turn and go far up a street we hadn't gone down before. There were parents, kids, and teens all over the place, and they all seemed to be attracted to a certain house down the street. The house was relatively far, but so well decorated with Halloween stuff, we could tell from a distance that it was a haunted house. My daughter was 10 at the time, and got really excited when she saw it, so I told her I would take her down there. We hit a few houses on the way, but she was very excited to get to the haunted house, that we just skipped most of the other houses on the way. We finally reached the house. It was a single-story home painted white, with no cars in the driveway. The garage was open and had two black tarps taped up onto two 10-foot ladders that extended down the driveway and created a tunnel. There were fake spider webs all over the house and tunnel, and skeletons and zombies and such laying around the front yard. We walked into the tunnel, and it led all the way into the house. The tunnel was very well made, with smoke machines creating a very creepy effect as you walked through it. Whoever set this up also had scary music playing throughout the house. The tunnel ended when you reached the inside of the house. My daughter was in front of me. She eagerly and quickly walked into the house. When we first walked in, the living room was set up in a normal fashion, but with fake skeletons sitting on the couch, with their head positioned to look at whoever entered through the tunnel. My daughter acted scared 
and laughed as she walked into the next portion of the haunted house. It was another tunnel to the right, which I guessed led into a dining room. People were rushing by us, mostly teenagers. I lingered for ten seconds and then walked into the same tunnel as my daughter. As soon as I did, I saw that she was gone. I figured she must have ran through it. I hurried down the tunnel, and it indeed ended in the dining room. A mummy was sitting at the table along with a vampire and a werewolf decoration. My daughter was not there. I again hurried through into the next black tarp tunnel. Smoke was everywhere in this place. Whoever owned this place must have had like five machines going at once. I walked at a fast pace through the third tunnel and found myself back outside. The third tunnel led you through the front door. I looked around, but didn't see her. I walked out to the street and looked around again. My daughter was nowhere to be seen. Kids and teenagers were all over the place, but my daughter was dressed as a pink rabbit this year and stuck out like a sore thumb. I called her name. After not hearing a reply, I panicked a bit and thought she must have gone back in for a second time. I walked over to the first tunnel entrance and walked through very fast. I got to the living room and called her name again, but louder. I was getting worried and impatient. Just after I did that, I heard her say, No, from somewhere in the house. It sounded like it came from the second tunnel, so I walked back into it and called her name again. This time I heard her say, Daddy. Her voice sounded like somebody had cut it off, but I heard it right next to me. I felt through the tarp and my hand gripped a doorknob. Right at this spot in the tarp, the tarp broke into two pieces and had tape holding them together. I pulled them apart and opened the bedroom door in front of me. The room was dark, but I could still see. A man and a teenage boy were holding my daughter by the arms, and the teen was covering her mouth. I did not expect to see this. I walked into the room and said, Let her go now. They did immediately, and she ran into my arms. I told her to run outside. She did, now crying, and I looked the older man in the eye and he gave me a very, very bad feeling. His eyes were sinister. I whispered to him, If you ever touch her again, I will kill you. I called the cops and told them these two guys had just put their hands on my daughter and were trying to hold her against her will in their house. I walked outside and looked at the house address. I gave it to the cops and walked back inside to find the man and the teen gone. Two cops drove up to the haunted house. Together, we all walked back in, demanding to speak with the homeowner. After about 30 minutes of asking people who lived there, we finally found a woman who claimed the house, and all the decorations were hers. We asked about the two guys, and she seemed genuinely puzzled and disturbed by what we told her. She said it was just her and her two daughters both teenagers that lived there. The older man and the teenage boy were never located, and I never saw them again.
This happened in Antioch, California. It was around 2 a.m. I was at a friend's house, safe in warm, sheltered suburbia. We were having a lot to drink, chit-chatting, enjoying ourselves. Of course, when you're having fun, time hits the fast-forward button, and those few minutes turn into an hour. I had too much to drink. My friend has a bit of an abrupt bedtime, so I had to dodge out early, still intoxicated. I felt too shameful thinking I would be asking too much to stay in his house, to sleep off the drunkenness. I suppose he was either too rude or too drunk to consider it himself. Whatever. Sometimes a little inconvenience makes you appreciate everything else. I needed about another hour or so to sober up and drive back. As fast as time passed during my stay, it decided to drastically slow down as soon as I stepped out of his house. It was a cul-de-sac area, a concrete jungle with the stem of the street breaking into a fork. Alongside the road, my car was parked. The only streetlight that worked was in the middle of the cul-de-sac circle, about 80 yards away. I stumbled towards my car, produced my keys, felt the metal line up, opened my door and shifted to the back seat. Because this was a dark, strange, and unfamiliar neighborhood, I took the leftover newspapers and a sweater in my back seat to cover myself up. I wanted to camouflage myself and not just be some guy awkwardly sitting in his car, waiting for time to pass in order to drive home. I couldn't fall asleep. The uncomfortable feeling of a cheap backseat bed enshrouded in darkness didn't make the chance of slumber easier. It felt too ominous. And of course, my mind began to wander. I thought of worst-case scenarios like how the police would shine their lights on me through the window, or a drunk driver hitting my car, and... Wait. In the distance, about 100 yards away, I could hear footsteps approaching. The gravel scuffed with each step forward, growing in proximity, but periodically taking stops. I wondered why, until it made sense in my mind. Whoever it was was probably looking through cars carefully, with the intent to steal one. I couldn't recall how many cars were on the block, but I counted three full stops until he was at my window, breathing. I froze. There was no more than one foot between us. The car encapsulated me as I lay hidden beneath backseat clutter, forming myself into an object trying my hardest to be unnoticeable, unmoving, and simply not there. I see you, said a 40-plus-year-old man in a perverse baby talk. Imagine when you were playing hide-and-seek and one of your friends tricks you into coming out. He said it in that tone of voice, as if baiting me like he was questioning whether the clutter in the back seat was just clutter, or a person. I did not want to move or check the window. I remained clutter. Give me an Academy Award. My body reacted by minimizing my breathing so much that I felt paralyzed. I dare not look. 
my eyes fixated on the back of the passenger seat. I did not blink. I did not move. I did not breathe. My heart was pounding so hard it shook my body with each throb. He circled around the car. My ears didn't fail me. I heard the steps. I felt like I was part of the car. I could feel him touching the trunk as he carefully pressed down on it, as if to test the alarm, as if to test me. I was in the middle of fight or flight. I couldn't do either without elevating danger. I was frozen and hoping that he was bluffing. He circled the car again. The door handle to my right jiggled. He was pulling it multiple times. I see you. Same tone, but more agitated and stressed. More convinced that he was trying to make that clutter move. Revealing itself to be of his expectations. That it was me. My muscles tensed like a cow before slaughter. Tap, tap, tap. That had to be metal against glass. Take a penny right now and tap your window. A crowbar. A knife. A rock. My eyes fixated on the seat in front of me, never averting my gaze like he was. I was covered enough to where I couldn't see beyond the seat in front of me. I know I couldn't see him, but I could feel his eyes resting on top of me. My name is Poker Face. What's your name? The voice changed in a lower, demented, and serious tone. My mind forced a visual. It wasn't anything human. I already accepted my death. I was ready to be shot in the head, ready to take a life-changing bullet, multiple knife wounds. Just make this sleep bearable, not excruciating, as you drain me of life. I wouldn't know how to react. My thoughts grew dimmer. I imagined my friend waking up the next morning after a calm night of safe and sound sleep, only to discover my mutilated, defiled, and bloodied body hanging outside my car door. It was then I heard nothing but my own heart. What was this person doing now? Just staring at me in the middle of the night? Talking to me? Or a messy pile in the back seat? Time froze. The footsteps were being swallowed in the distance. He left. I waited another hour until the sun showed hints of itself. I jumped in my front seat and bolted out of there. Wide-eyed and sober. I spent the night at my girlfriend's house one night and had to leave really early in the morning to go to work. So early, it was still dark outside when I left, and would be for a few more hours. She lived in a rural town about 60 miles from my house and work, and when I got in my car and started driving, there wasn't the usual streetlights lining the roads to guide me. The only light came from my headlights. About 10 miles into my drive, my car started to slow down, 
and eventually came to a stop. I first checked my gas, and it was almost full. I am not very car trouble savvy, so I dug my phone out of my jacket pocket and swiped the screen. Nothing happened. I realized that my phone was dead, and immediately after that, I came to the realization that I had forgot to plug it in last night before I went to sleep. So here I was, stuck in my car, on the side of a rural street, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I started thinking of things to do. I could start walking. No. Horrible idea. It was very dark out here, and I wouldn't be able to see anything while walking, and on top of that, I could get hit by a car. I concluded the only thing I could do was sit in my car and wait for daylight, which is a very stressful and scary thing to have to come to terms with. It was winter, and I started getting cold. I tried starting my car over and over, to no avail. I gave up and crossed my arms. I sat in the dark car on the dark street for about ten minutes just looking into the darkness in front of me, before I squinted my eyes and noticed somebody walking towards my car directly in front of me. They were about thirty yards away. The only thing I could see was the outline of their body. They stopped walking right after I noticed them. I got really scared and just gazed at this outline for the longest time. In a sudden movement, they started walking again but fast. In a few seconds, they reached my driver's side door and tried opening it. Did they think the car was empty? Did they see me in here? I leaned away from the door and window onto the center console. After failing to open my locked door, they stood there for a moment, and then very suddenly turned and walked away in the direction they came from. I was so confused and creeped out. Why would they walk back that way? I sat there in the dark wondering what just happened. I saw two headlights come on in front of me. The car was parked on the same side of the road as mine, but facing me. Had the person stopped when they saw my car? What would they do next? How did I not see them stop there? After a few moments, they started their engine and turned their car around, driving off down the road. A few hours later, the sun was rising and a truck stopped next to me and asked if I was having trouble. I asked to use their cell phone, and with it, I called my girlfriend, who picked me up soon after. This happened to me about 15 years ago. I lived near the ocean, and I frequented a certain spot on the beach all the time. It was a lonely spot, and not many people ever really showed up there. This one Saturday afternoon, I was laying out in the sand, in my spot, relaxing and tanning. It's not uncommon for me to fall asleep. I did sometimes if the sun wasn't too hot on my skin. This one particular day, I did. I woke up a while later to the sun now setting, and I realized I had slept for quite a while. I looked to my left and saw a woman sitting near me in the sand, but not a towel. She was wearing jean shorts and a bathing suit top. She had really pretty red hair. At first, I didn't really acknowledge her, but after glancing at her a few times, I noticed she was just staring out into the ocean and did not turn to look at me or anything for that matter. 
I felt a bit of curiosity and said hello to her. She said hello back, without turning her head to look at me. Right after that, she sprung to her feet and walked away. I thought it was kind of weird, but didn't think too much of it. I'd say about 30 minutes later I packed up my stuff and left. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary, and I had a great day relaxing there. Once I was home I started making myself dinner. I heard my phone ring and walked over to my purse on the counter and pulled it out. It was my mom. We started talking about the usual things when I noticed a square folded piece of paper sticking out of my purse in the midst of our conversation. My mom continued talking and I pulled out the paper and unfolded it, confused because I was pretty sure that I did not put it there. I literally dropped the phone when I read what was written on the paper. It said, I was going to rob you and stab you in the throat, but you just looked so peaceful. I picked up the phone and told my mom what happened, remembering the girl on the beach. We both nearly passed out. When I was 14 years old, I was hospitalized. I broke two ribs riding a dirt bike and had to have minor surgery. I was in the hospital for two days and one night. The night I spent in the hospital, they brought another guy into my room at about 9 o'clock. I was dozing off because of the effect of the painkillers they gave me. They situated the guy, who appeared to be about my age. The nurses eventually left after introducing the guy to me. His name was Ben. After they left, Ben asked me what I was in for. I told him and then asked him the same question. He told me he would rather not say. I thought that was kind of weird. We were both silent for a while until a nurse popped in and asked if we wanted her to put in a movie for us. We both said no. The nurse said okay and walked out of the room, turning off the light as she did. Some light from the hallway kept the room barely lit. I looked over at Ben, and his head was facing forward, at the wall. Some time passed, and I adjusted my pillow and tried to get comfortable in order to fall asleep. I was looking at the ceiling of my hospital room and thought about random things, when Ben suddenly asked me, You think you might fall asleep soon? His question caught me off guard and I didn't respond for a few seconds. After thinking about his unusual question, I answered, Um, yeah, probably. I am pretty tired. Why do you ask? Ben then said back, Because, because when you do, I'm gonna kill you. For a moment, I thought he was joking, and I even smiled and let out a very small, forced chuckle. He did not smile back. He just looked at the wall. I realized he was asking seriously and my heart started beating very fast. I finally replied to him. Are you serious, man? He then leaned his head back and said, Yep. I hit the nurse call button on my bed and she walked into the room promptly. She asked what I needed and I told her what Ben had said. 
She looked at him and still looking at the wall, he said, I will do it. She told him he wasn't funny and that he would be switching rooms. She then called in another nurse and the two of them rolled his bed out of the room. When he rolled by, he covered his head with the covers and screamed in a way that showed me he was very obviously not well. This scared me half to death. About 30 minutes later, the nurse walked back in, and I asked who he was and what that was about. She told me not to worry about it, and that they put him in a room by himself. I told her that really creeped me out, and I was scared, and asked if he could possibly get back to my room. She said that was very unlikely, as he was blind. I have a story to tell you. This happened at my house when I was about 11 years old. This one day, I believe I was playing video games when I heard a knock at the door. My parents were in their room talking and I ran to the door and looked through the window next to it to see who it was. It was a police officer. I thought that was kind of cool, not realizing something could be wrong and opened up. We had a metal screen that was locked the police officer first said, I, are your parents home? I told them yes and asked if he would like me to get them. He responded with, Are you sure? There aren't any cars in the driveway or out front. Can you open the screen so I can talk to you for a minute? I said back, Uh, yeah, they're here. Their cars are parked in the driveway. One second. I then yelled out, Dad! And my dad replied, Yeah. I walked over to their bedroom door and told them a policeman was at the door. My dad looked concerned and got up. He walked over to the front door and the police officer was now gone. My dad looked at me confused and said, There was a cop at the door? He then unlocked the screen and walked outside. I stayed in the house and my dad walked back in a few seconds later. What did he say? Are you sure it was a cop? I replied, Yeah, he was wearing the outfit. Um, he asked if you or mom were here. My dad shrugged and said, Weird. He didn't say anything else? Did he say something was wrong? I shook my head, no. My dad shrugged again and walked back into his room, while I went to the couch and resumed my video game. A few days later, another police officer came to our house. This time, my dad answered the door. The cop said to my dad, Hello, sir. Sorry to bother you, but we've had some calls from people on this street claiming a man came to their door dressed as a police officer. Did he by chance come by here? My dad told them what happened a few days previous, and then the cops hit my dad with a bombshell. They said that the man was not a cop at all but a man pretending to be one, trying to locate children who were home alone. 